Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and a good evening to everybody. You're joined here for Flower Hour, episode 14. I'm going to be joined today by Aaron Fenton Hewitt. We're going to be talking about everything in regards to black conservatism. Um, we're going to be speaking about his place within um, the black movement and how, you know, black liberals and black conservatives are truly sometimes at war. And I suppose what's their idea of um, liberation or perhaps more specifically his idea. So um, I hope everyone's had a good day so far and I hope everyone's just enjoying, you know, it's been great weather. Today was 28. Tomorrow is going to be 34 degrees. So, yeah. And um, I hope you guys have got all your questions ready for Aaron. So, Aaron, whenever you're ready, jump in and come and join, man. I'm looking forward to having this conversation and for other people to see it. So, yeah. Let's go. Can you hear me? Yes, Aaron. How are you, man? Yeah, man, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Just had a bit of a long day looking for work and stuff, but yeah, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. What are you saying? I'm okay, man. Um, I went out to a quick shoot this morning, so I was enjoying the day. Hot and sweaty, though, so the weather's the weather's a bit mad at the moment. Put me up, man, because I do photography as well now. I got a whole setup here, like lights and everything. So put me I up in it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So listen, man, I'll let you introduce yourself to my audience. I think that's the most important thing, because obviously you wrote me a bio, but I think it's great that you can introduce yourself. Okay, cool. Um, so my name's Aaron Fenton Hewitt, 24 years old. Um, I'm a film graduate. I'm a creative writing postgraduate. I'm looking to start a PhD this year, hopefully in either October or January, um, in journalism for a PhD to do my doctorate. Um, I'm also a semi-professional freelance photographer as well. I usually specialise in events. Apart from weddings, I don't have the equipment for that yet. Um, I guess you could say I'm, I'm conservative. I'm unapologetic about it, but I'm also a bit hesitant about it, like I told you before, because yeah. um, we're going to get into that. Um, but yeah, what else is there? I'm 24, 25 in December. I think I have decent to good career prospects um <laughs> i've been taking up baking since, since the coronavirus happened i've been taking up baking so okay yeah. but yeah like i suppose how have you dealt with everything covid related how's life been during the lockdown for you man has it been any different for you um it's been it's been a mixed bag like right now my bank account is basically on life support it's just <laughs> terrible it's just terrible honestly it's terrible um when Coke, I remember, because what was supposed to happen, I had planned for this year, what was going to happen. And this this was supposed to be my my year off. I just graduated last year, and I was supposed to either think about whether I want to go into full-time work or do my PhD. So I was supposed to take this year off. I was supposed to go to Ghana for the second time on a humanitarian project in April this year. Um, I, also, I, I had also just got promoted to team leader at my hospitality workplace. Um... And everything was set up. I got the position and everything, everything ready to go. I was supposed to um, 
be the leader for an England game. I think England were going to play um, Italy, I think it was. Okay. And um, and then coronavirus hit and everything just took a downturn. So in a couple of weeks' time, I found myself working at a care home instead, looking after the vulnerable and the elderly. Um, I had a coronavirus test. Um, thank thank God I, I, I don't have it. And apparently I've never had it either. So there's no trace of it in my system whatsoever. So um, that's that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actively looking for work, photography and journalism related. I need to take you up on that TCH thing that you write for. TCS. I need to take you up on that. Yeah, TCS, yeah, I need to take you up on that. Definitely. I think, um, I think you'd be a much needed voice within the echo chambers sometimes that we find ourselves in. Yeah, it can be a bit repetitive. It's like Groundhog Day. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. Absolutely. Um, that, so yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, in ter- that, that's, that's kind of, in terms of my holistic well-being, it's kind of been a mixed bag because what you'll find is that, um, you know, especially to do with mental health and black men, we don't really talk about it as much as we should do. I say black men in particular because obviously we're going to talk about black issues, but it's a male thing in general. Um, but I found that it was kind of up and down. There are some days where I was very optimistic and other days where it's like, well, what's the point of me getting up? Sometimes it feels like I can conquer the world and the next day it's like, well, what's the point of being alive? I don't think it's bipolar because it's not a mood swing. It's just an attitude thing. It's a holistic thing. Um, there is a difference between the two. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I, I'm surviving. I'm not living at the moment. I'm just surviving. I've got enough to pay one or two bills here and there. But that's it. There's no time for McDonald's. There's no Five Guys. Nothing like that. It's just me in my yard with um, Tesco double concentrate orange squash. No orange they, juice. Nothing like that. Then times. Sometimes the hard times are. They're gonna create the best out of us, man. So listen, my first question yeah. has got to be to you. Politically, I know you said you're unapologetically conservative. Now, when you think of conservatism. People typically believe that, especially from the liberal corner um, or the left-wing yeah. side of black politics, they believe that there's no space for conservatism within the black emancipation and liberation movement. And I want to ask you, why, how did you become a black conservative and how has black conservatism helped you to become the young man you are now? Well, it was kind of an interesting story. I mean, the first time I tried to really get into politics was when just after the Brexit vote. Before then, I had gotten a lot of, as you say, the echo chamber when it came to black issues, basically. And there were certain things that my family and friends of mine would say to me that I just didn't identify with or I just didn't see, really. Um, so, for example, um, okay, for example, right, a couple of weeks ago, Preeti Patel, you know the Home Secretary, Preeti Patel, right? Of course. She, um, she, she um, rebutted somebody, I think it was... Um, I can't remember what her name is, the black lady in, 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 in Parliament. And um, Pretty Patel was basically saying that, you know, um, what happens a lot of the time is that we, we tend to compartmentalise ideas and opinions based upon skin colour. So she was basically saying that, you know, it's more racist to group people into saying, you can't think this because you're this, or you can't think this because you're this. Um, and what I found mainly is that not only do... I not identify with lots of things that black people tell me in terms of dominant black culture. But I also find it quite patronizing that if I don't identify with it, they kind, of, they kind of limit me to that, as in they don't consider me to be black, if that makes sense. They don't, they say, okay, well, he's not black because he doesn't believe this, or he's white because he believes this. And it, it kind of puts you in a box and it, it gives you, it's like they limit you. They say, if you're black, so with them, being black is a skin colour thing, but it's also an ideological thing and a philosophical thing as well. If you don't, if you, it's one thing to be black, another thing to almost think black and act black. Um, a lot of the time, ironically, what you'll find is that what people tend to call black, a lot of it is nothing good with respect. I'm not talking about cultural things like hip hop and stuff. People have told me that I'm not from Hackney because I don't speak like I'm from Hackney. And I think what they mean by that is to speak with like a local Caribbean influence vernacular, like yeah, 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 that kind of stuff, right? Um, 
I know how to do it. I went to a, um, a public school in Hackney for most of my secondary school career. Yeah. I'm born and brought, 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 born and brought up in Hackney. So I know I use it with my friends. I can turn it on and off when I want to. But I've always considered the fact that there's also a certain standard that people have to, um, to, to, to maintain. Everybody speaks English, but not everyone understands slang, for example. If I was to go to another place in the world, so let's say Scotland, for example, if I go up to a Scottish person and say, yeah, yeah, well, go on, but they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. If I say to him, hello, how are you, that kind of stuff, it's not to say that one is better than the other, but there's one that everyone understands, the one that some people don't understand. Um, what you also find is that I was actually ridiculed and mocked because I chose to take value in my education. Even from a younger age, they used to call me white boy Aaron and this and that because I chose to speak properly and because I was doing very, very well in school for a certain period of time. Um, I think because I got bullied as well, my grades went down significantly even after I left the school. Um, I also had a problem with my mental health in, in, in the past as well. So that's an issue. Um, but yeah, it's basically, I have an issue with the compartmentalization of ide ideology and philosophy based upon skin color, as in they limit you, they put you in a box and they say, if you're black, you're this. And if you come outside that box, then we no longer recognize you as one of our own. It's almost like you have a black voice and a white voice. I think someone in the comments said that, Dr. Aldress said someone in the comments, white voice, basically. And that's, that's it. That's basically it. And I think... You've made some very valid points because when I grew up, um, everyone told me that I sounded white, you know, I acted white um, because I didn't really do things that were, as you said, part of the dominant black culture, part of the culture that is prolific within mainstream society, within the media and individuals like yourself and I can sometimes perhaps feel outcast yeah. or sometimes feel... black but you're right there's a compartment there's a compartmentalization of blackness and there's synonymous yeah. with certain behaviors and ideas so why yeah. did black conservatism become a place where you found have now found your identity it's because they take everyone as an individual and don't group you into the same category they say that they don't judge you, from my experience, they don't judge you based upon skin colour. They judge you based purely upon your ideas, your work ethic, things like that. They judge me based upon who I am as a person, not because of the colour of my skin. They don't make certain assumptions about me as a black person. They don't think because I was black and I grew up in Hackney means I had to speak a certain way, if that makes sense. And it's because, it's because they have stereotypes in people's heads that conservatives go out of their way to ignore to make me feel welcome. And this is the thing, we almost, I think on the left, a lot of people almost, they almost embrace the, 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 the stereotype. They wear it as like some, like, like some kind of badge of honour. Like a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a girl that was messaging me on Facebook and I was talking to her about why I'm a conservative. And she says to me that I hope that you don't indoctrinate your children when you grow older to think like you. Um, and the conversation we were talking about, she was talking about um, uh, something to do with... Um, roadmen and how a lot of them grew up to be lawyers and blah 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 and I'm, I'm like okay well fair enough then but you don't need to make fun of me all I'm doing is highlighting that they've made fun of me in the past there's no need for you to try to make me feel worse and there's no need for you to try to she, try, she basically tried to insult my kids that I don't even have yet I hope your children don't grow up to think like you and it's like she couldn't even spell the word indoctrinate you couldn't even spell it and it's like I, I don't understand. I, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. There's also lots of things that I've just generally speaking not identified with when it comes to black issues. I've never, I've always been skeptical, like, for example, about white privilege. I've always been skept skeptical about it. I've always found myself in positions where if there's any group of people that have made fun of me or have made me feel like I'm not welcome in a group, it's nothing to do with white people at all. <clears throat> Like, nothing at all to do with white people. It's only, I'll say black people in particular, but just minority ethnic people in general, is what I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm at, odds, I'm at odds with my family and my friends because I think I'm a conservative in a very, very, very 
I'm my family's either Labour or Lib Dem, so I think I'm the only conservative that they know. Yeah, and plus I go to a, a Christian church, and a lot of them are are probably left leaning as well, even though they might not show it. And the ones that do show it, well, it's like this, right? It's safer to be left wing than it is to be right wing, generally speaking, Absolutely. society. Absolutely, I believe I, I generally can say it is a lot safer in our current climate to be left wing than right wing. I think. Typically, right-wing are lambasted as racist, homophobic, and sexist simply because they don't align with certain belief systems that I believe yeah. are prolific at the moment in the way, in, in dominant discourse. And I want to ask you, um, Aaron, when you think about, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, you think about everything that's happened recently with the George Floyd death, what's your feelings around it? And do you believe Black Lives Matter has done anything positive for the black community? Um, well, I mean, it's, I've never been... I, I support racial equality 100%. And it's not to say that I don't recognise police brutality or misconduct when I see it, because it has happened a lot of time in the past. And I also recognise the historical context when it came to the bad relations between African-Americans and the police. And even, this, in, even in this country, black people versus the police. So I understand the context the historical context in that sense. However, Black Lives Matter, the thing with, thing with that, because it's a movement, there is no, there's no one person to hold responsible because you can't really hold a movement responsible for something. Absolutely. Um, this this is the thing Matter because it, yeah. No space. This, no this space. is my point. If you, if you can't hold someone responsible, then what are you supposed to do? The best thing I can do, right, I look on the website and I look on the manifesto and there's a lot of things that they talk about that have nothing to do with black lives at all. Things like dismantling capitalism or destroying the nuclear family. Those are things that are quite valuable to me as a person, as a black person. They, in one hand, they will say destroy capitalism. On the other hand, they will say support black business. But the essence of business is capitalism, as in the voluntary exchange or transaction of goods or services for capital. That's what capitalism is. That's what business is. To take away capitalism, to take away business. So how can you say dismantle capitalism, but take away, but support black business? It, it doesn't make sense to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. And in terms well, of the nuclear family, it's obviously there's, there's the black side, there's, there's, there's me, and then there's the Christian side of me. But both of them would align and say that, generally speaking, I'm a fan of the nuclear family. I understand why it's important for young men to have, particularly young men, but it's important for people to have in general. Um, stats show that those with a mother and a father in their lives in particular are several times less likely to get involved in things like criminal activity, drugs, things like that. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of black men that have abandoned, abandoned um, their families, it's because some of them don't know how to be men. So you have young young black men that have been raised in households with single mothers, so they're the feminine, um, they're the solely feminine influence there. And then when you go to school in the education system, most female, most teachers are female. So now you have a feminine, um, a feminine uh, influence coming from the home and from the school. And when you're that age, those are the two main places you'll be. So if you're getting feminine at home and feminine at school, and you're bombarded with it, there comes a point when you'll start to ask yourself questions about you as a man, not as a person, but as a man, that women simply can't explain or simply can't show you how to do. And because of the lack of men in your life, you have no choice but to turn to people who you think are good men, such as people who are drug smugglers or people who into terrorism, things like that. These are the things. This is why it's so important. I never realised how important having a mother and a father around a dinner table how important that is because there's a saying in Jamaica that goes it takes a village to raise a child I think so you have well, your own family then you... yeah go I on. believe it's an African proverb that it takes a village that's to it. raise a child and um, the child that's not embraced by its village will burn it down to feel its warmth that's on Black Panther isn't it well it's an African proverb it's just it yeah. was it became mainstream through Black Panther but you've touched on a few points and in a rebuttal I suppose, is when you think about capitalism, you think about how capitalism started historically, it was through the transatlantic slave trade. That's how capitalism's bedrock, that's how the foundation was built, through the exchange of black bodies. And I suppose 
that's where black people that fight for the liberal side, they want to dismantle capitalism because they believe it is inherently racist and that it can do no good for black people. Whilst I do understand its foundations just as much as you do, I do agree, unfortunately, that we are in a capitalist society that the only way is, as you said, the voluntary exchange of goods for capital. So it's a very fair point. And I think capitalism has its good, it has its bad, and I think there's so much that we can take from it. So I mean, there's no such thing as, there's no such thing as the perfect system because there's no such thing as the perfect human being. Absolutely. Um, but when you, when you look at the alternatives, and I've seen the alternatives, not only online and through reading articles and stuff, but I've seen it in real life as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's just not good. It doesn't work. The other side, communism slash socialism, it doesn't work. And, it's, and it dangerously doesn't work as well, to the point where people's lives are at risk. If you see what's going on now in certain parts of Central America, for example, look at Venezuela. Venezuela is one of the most resource-rich countries in the world. But yet, if we can go, okay, you can go to Tesco right now, you can buy, say, a whole chicken for what, four or five pounds? Uh, yeah, you can't do that in Venezuela. Venezuela's like, water, uh, apparently 20 grand. Privatized. I think water's privatised in Venezuela. Well, it's, there's, no, it's, it's no, there's no competition because now you have people that are consolidated power to, them, to themselves and because Absolutely. no one's allowed to challenge them, they take, they take advantage. It's the same thing in, um, in what's happening now with China. And you look at how the government is basically spying on literally everybody well, and CCP. doesn't want anyone to... Pardon? The CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, look at the way they're treating people in there. Look at where they're treating the, um, uh, you know, that Muslim sect. Is it called Uyghur Muslims? The Turkish the Uyghurs, sect? The Uyghur Muslims. Uyghur, that's it. Yeah? Look at where they're treating them. This is the alternative. Do you want a society where you have too much choice or not enough choice? You're also saying the perfect system. But what? But, you know, it, it, don't, it doesn't make sense to me. But there you go. But then we're touching on so many topics and I'm, I'm going to have to try to hone it in as best as I can. Yeah, so my mind's everywhere. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So we spoke about um, capitalism, but you spoke importantly about the, um, you said you, when you read on Black Lives Matter, dismantling the nuclear family, you said how important it is to grow up having a mother and a father at the dinner table. And I suppose if I'm going to quote your words, there's an over-feminization for young men currently in society <laughs> now. So I want to ask you, Aaron, in the current sexual revolution that we're having, the sexual political freedom in terms of feminism and the call for equality, has there been drawbacks in your view for black men whilst feminism has risen through the ranks? It's a, it's a tough one. I mean, generally speaking, from what I understand, black people have generally been supportive of the nuclear family. I've heard arguments online where people have said that to destroy the nuclear family in itself is to be racist because it's part of a lot of cultures, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it, it's an interesting one. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Um, well, you and I but, had a conversation about polyamory at one point was also practiced in society. And I think, yeah. I know fundamentally you disagree with polyamory but it worked at some point because remember once upon a time ago marriage was for people to marry into wealth and to raise their class status now we marry for love mm -hmm. and again that's questionable should we marry for love or should we marry to ascend class and to go and to build more wealth you know so that's something to also yeah, consider yeah. so you said that the nuclear family to destroy the nuclear family can be also seen to be racist because the black community for so long has been so nuclear. So when did that destruction of the nuclear family happen then, Aaron? Well, I mean, the, the most recent example I can think of is in America. Um, America, when it comes to particularly single mothers, um, America has a very, very generous welfare system. And what he's basically said is that if the fathers are going to disappear from the child's life, then the state will come in and provide the woman with financial support. So now you have the man who's no longer needed in the family because you can get welfare checks from the government. And some women have grown up and said, well, you know what? I don't need a man in my life because the government can support me. And the man is like, I don't need to be in the child's life because the government will look after her instead of me. And so what you do, you grow up and you have, you have, you have the children, they grow up. 
the men, the male child, they'll grow up to most likely be involved in things like gangs and criminal activity. And girls will grow up and they won't really... I don't want to say that women will grow up to hate men, but a, a young female child will grow up and they'll see how men have treated her own mother. And some women will tend to hate men. They will tend to hate that gender because what they've seen, what, from what their experience has been with the opposite sex. Whereas with, with guys, with male children, because there's no man in the house, like I said before about the female influence and stuff, they don't know how to be men. And therefore they'll look to other influences for men, even though that, even though it is dangerous and, and destructive ultimately. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it, that's just one example of many. That's just one of the, off the top of my head, I can't think of any more. Um, but that's just one example, I think. Um, and ironically, that has been mostly a, a Democrat, um, left-wing Democrat policy where, you know, mothers... It's like, I think in society today, because there's so much support from the government, it's no longer a safety net. It's almost become a lifestyle now. So it gets to a, it gets to a stage now where it's like, men are basically disposable. You have, I'm hearing, I'm hearing things like women are saying, well, if this man won't look after me, then another man will look after me instead. So they want another man to raise, like, if me and you were to have sex with the same woman, yeah, and you were the biological father, if you decide to go and leave, the woman will say, no worries, you can have me instead. And she would accept me to look after your child, if that makes sense. Okay. So we, so that's, that is the philosophy that I've gotten from a lot of women. Um, I, I've, I, I talk about black women particularly because that's the topic we're talking about, but I've heard it from everywhere. Um, I think when, I don't really think men are valued as much as we used to be. I think we're just like, in some, in some, black, in some black communities, I think we're almost glorified sperm donors. Whoa. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like sometimes. That's it feels like we don't matter enough because there's, there's always a plan B. There's always that safety net of, well, if he dumps me, then at least I can get money from the government. Things like that. There's always somebody else to step in line. That's, these, that's, these, are, these are things that, you know? It's a very strong word. You said that, I suppose, black men now in some communities are seen as over-glorified sperm donors. But I, I see where you come from in some senses. But I also think feminism has given women the ability to have more of an equal place in society. I see it from two sides of the coin. And I think you and I have had these debates before where we can both see things from two sides. So yeah, in yeah. the society we live in now, you're right. We have a lot more options currently more than we've ever had. You have the rise of dating apps. You have the rise of divorce. Less people are getting married. So people naturally are going to have more options. And there's more people in the world. There's more women than there are men. So at what point do we reach when we understand that men, number one, due to feminism, are being held more accountable in certain spaces where perhaps they wouldn't have always been held accountable, such as rape, sexual assault, and um, workplace or sexist biases? How do we manage those differences, I suppose, whilst also recognising black men's worth? Well, it's, it's a tricky one because... You know, just because you have many options doesn't mean that you necessarily should. In fact, what I've realized a lot of the time is that from my experience, from my understanding, a lot of women have told me that they've used these options, that they've never ended up in a good situation at all. So it's not only, so I get what you're saying about having options, but not, every, not everything that is permissible to you is beneficial, if that makes sense. Just because you Absolutely. can do something doesn't mean that you should, you should, you should, then... you should do something. But then in another point where you said about capitalism, do you want too much freedom or not enough freedom? Doesn't that run throughout the line? Well, I mean, freedom is like, when, I'm, when I talk about freedom, I'm talking about in the sense of a human right, in the sense that I have the right to go out right now and buy some crisps for one pound. We take it for granted. Or I can go to church and worship, things like that. Thing, basic things that we call freedom that we take for granted that in other countries they just simply don't have. Um, in terms of when it comes to what we're saying about dating apps and stuff, I've used a couple of dating apps in the past. I won't lie to you. I've done it before. Um, there's also the idea of, um, you know, we said about the workplace boundaries and men being held accountable and stuff. There's also, I agree with that 100%, no, no qualms there at all. But there's also the idea and the rise of the phenomenon of um, 
uh, false rape accusations where a lot of women have seen this as an opportunity to get back at a man for wronging them in the past or just for no reason. Um, there's an example a couple of years ago where a quarterback in America, a football player, he was um, falsely oh, accused yeah. of um, raping a woman, raping a woman, and he had his scholarship taken away. Yeah. And, and he's, he has to life. start all over again. And yet, yeah, and yet, his name is now plastered all over the news and the female is nowhere to be seen. Another example of this was in Manchester today. Um, was it today? Today or yesterday, where... A guy was cleared of charges, um, of rape charges, cleared, so he's not, he's not guilty. And yet, his name was, pl was put on the news report and the woman's wasn't. Why is that? Well, because they're going to have to protect our identity and they're going to... I think, you know, as a journalist, they have to f decide whether it's going to be in the public interest for them to name her. Perhaps to you, it might be within the public interest, right? Well, I mean, I don't think, look, when it comes to rape accusations, particularly when it comes to men, the accusation itself is enough for you to, for it to have serious consequences as a man, right? You know, you look at, if you switch, if you switch to genders, you look at women, right? You know, I hear, I, I read news articles that say things like women touches um, underage men. It's like, no, you touched a boy, you're a rapist. Just use the word. Don't try, don't, you don't need to, um to politicize it, there's no need to just to tiptoe around it. You raped a person. But if you're the other way around, we'll be slaughtering the woman. We sorry, we'll be slaughtering the guy. And rightfully so. Um but I think when it comes to rape accusations, I think for this because of how serious the nature of the crime is, I think it might be in the public's best interest to have both parties remain anonymous until there's a guilty or not guilty verdict. Um because if you found guilty then the consequences are going to happen naturally. But if he's, found, if, he, if he's been made out to be a rapist and then he's proven that he's not guilty, whether he's not guilty or not, that's it. Because unfortunately, I live in a society where it's trial by social media. Regardless of whether the courts charge you or not, that's not really enough anymore. If people see you as a rapist, no matter if you're guilty or not, that's it. It doesn't matter anymore. That's Absolutely. just how things work nowadays. And so I pinned a comment from Christina, a friend of mine. She said, I don't see a problem with an over-feminized man. It's just how that man is. And I feel like we should be more accepting of men in any form. And I suppose that's a statement towards you, Aaron, because you spoke about the over-feminization of men when there's not a masculine um, figure in their life. And I suppose that leads me to ask another question. What would yeah. an over-feminized man look like to you, Aaron? And what does a man in good harmony with masculinity and femininity look like? Well, I mean, an over-feminized man is like, um, okay, I have to choose my words carefully because I'm not quite sure how to, how to navigate the wars here. Um, okay, using yeah. myself as an example. I'd rather you use say myself it however you feel you want to say it. No, 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 I'm just going to, let me just, I'm going to use me, myself as an example. Um, I don't want to seem as if I'm trying to reinforce gender roles, right? As in, you're a woman, therefore you belong in the kitchen cooking food. And I'm a man, I belong doing this, this, that, and the other. Um, however, there's no denying that men are women are different. I believe in equity between the sexes, but we are fundamentally different people. I don't necessarily think that it's a healthy thing to, for either sex to have too many qualities associated, associated with the other sex. So, for example, with me, right, I had my father in my life, right? I love my dad to pieces, but there are certain things that he disappointed me in. There are certain things that I should probably know how to do now as a man or that's going to be expected of me as a man in church and in my Caribbean household that I'm either learning to do now or don't know how to do. I have no idea how to um, start a business or to do a mortgage or anything like that. I have no idea. There are lots of men that I do know who grew up in nuclear families, however, mother and father, that do know how to use those things. These are the things. It's like they're, they're, women cannot teach men how to be men because there are certain nuances to being a man that women just can't teach. In the same way, if I was to have a daughter, for example, right, I could not teach her how her menstrual cycle would feel like. 
because I don't have periods. I'm not a woman. All right. Do you know what I mean? So periods, menstrual cycles, they're biologically determined. You know, there's no way that we can change that. But in terms of businesses, for example, I'll use your example. Women, there's a lot more women entrepreneurs now more than ever. Black women are opening more businesses now than more than ever. So a black woman perhaps could teach her son how to open a business. So is that gender deterministic at that very same time? Because men have businesses, women have businesses. So it's not so gender deterministic anymore, is it, Aaron? It's not, not to a certain extent, no. Maybe I've used, maybe I used the business example as the wrong example. I don't know what else, I don't, I don't know really what else to say in the sense that I can't explain nuances. I can't explain the little subtle things that are either expected or that's just part of who we are as men. I can't explain it. I just can't explain it. I don't know how to put it into words. I don't think there are, I don't think there are enforced gender roles anymore in the sense that society has become a bit more, a lot more egalitarian. But what you'll find, um, you know a guy called Jordan Peterson? Yes, I've read his yeah, book, he's Rules for Life. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I need to buy that book. But um, I, was watching a pod, I was listening to a podcast and he said that if you look at certain Scandinavian countries like Sweden and stuff, as you'll find that... As egalitarian, the countries have widened yeah. gender-wise. Yeah, you'll find that um, the choices get... The differences between choices of men and women get larger rather than smaller. As society becomes more egalitarian, the choices we make become more pronounced than... You know what I mean? So, okay... I don't think that it's healthy to say we should be giving more, we should be forcing women to do more things because hashtag equality. People have to be given, people have to be given a choice of what, what they want to do, basically. And um, again, like Peterson said, society becomes more egalitarian. There are, what's this? There's someone in the comments was talking, that's why. Um... It's just, I, I don't know. I, I really don't want to get into this whole idea of gender roles. Maybe, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm taking it one step too far. I don't know. If I'm wrong, I'm just wrong, innit? But I've always imagined that there are just certain things that a man should be able to teach his child that a woman just can't and vice versa. You can't really, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's a strange one because there are certain things that I'm missing from my life because I grew up in a single mother household if that makes yeah, sense I, I get where you're coming from um and i think perhaps businesses compared to periods were perhaps a poor example on your part yeah it's um, poor example. but i get where you come from i grew up with a single mother as well and um i was discussing this just recently that when i went to school i never perhaps i never questioned why was there always dads picking up their children i never thought about it but as I got older, I think perhaps you can align with this. As you get older, women, a, ma a mother can't teach you how to be a man. And perhaps the first question that's going to come to people's minds are, is, what is it to be a man? Now, this is when it becomes really personal. So I have to ask you, Aaron, what does it mean to be, be a man to you? And okay. a black man specifically for you? Okay, well... For me, as a Christian, as an Adventist, um, is to provide, to protect, and to serve, basically. A little bit like a police force, a little bit, in the sense that I don't, we don't consider, I don't consider women to be inferior to me. I don't, in any way, shape, or form. I believe that to be a man is to provide for my family, protect my family, to basically be, basically be responsible for my family's well-being. That means financial, holistic... It also means to have good values, treat people with respect, you know, you know, because, you know, a, a lot of the time, especially in the media, we kind of have this, especially in black men, you kind of have this kind of like this false narrative of what it means to be a man. Like you got these rappers talking about how they've had sex with multiple women and blah, 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 things like that. Right. And they made careers off of it. And even in Jamaican culture, we have this kind of music called dance hall. And if you listen to the music, the lyrics, it's extremely misogy misogynistic, extremely. Talking about taking girl virginities and like it, like it doesn't mean anything. And there's a, there's a lack of, 
I don't. I, I would say it's sacred crime religious, but it's also just a general lack of respect for something that's supposed to be, in my opinion, very private and personal and intimate. And I think it's kind of changed. It's kind of had an influence on what it means like to be men in that respect. Well, some people would say, well, there's nothing wrong with growing up in a single parent household. And I'm not saying that I grew up in a single parent household. I'm not going to say that I hate my mum or anything. I don't judge people who grew up in that environment. But at the same time, if the stats, if we've seen it countless times that people who are in those environments are less likely, sorry, more likely to get involved in things like crime and criminal activity and that kind of stuff, there must be something that a man brings that separates the two. There's got to be something there. And it's something that a woman can't necessarily provide. You can't, you can teach her. I said someone in the comments that said about, um, a man can teach about periods and say the mother talking to her son about his penis. Yeah, but you can teach me about it, but you can't, you can explain what it does, but you I can't, because you, have, because you can't actually have one, you can't really feel what it's like. If that makes sense. I think what you're referring to, Aaron, is the lived experience of being a man. Only a far, only a man can understand the lived experience of another man. And yeah, like, like, there are certain nuances that we can do, and and there's, there's like, okay, there are certain situations where I've been in, right? Especially in the topic of like, um, we were talking about earlier, rape and sexual assault and stuff and accusations. There are certain situations where. I have tried not to get myself involved in. Um, there have been times when I see a woman coming towards me on the road and just purely out of fear, I cross the road. Several times I've done it because I don't want to be accused of doing anything that doesn't involve me. I have to understand as a man where I stand in society. I have to, stand, I have to understand what the politics are, what is expected of me. I have to understand what is the relationship between men and women because it's not as simple, it's not politics and human beings are not, it's not like maths. In the past, I've been told that I think a bit too logically, but I'm starting to learn now that it's not always one plus one equals two. Generally speaking, you'll find that men think more logically where women tend to think a bit more emotionally. Like, I, I, like okay, I was talking to my friend earlier and I was basically saying to her, a man will say one plus one equals two. And a woman would say, well, how does one feel about one? How does two feel about one? Do you know what I mean? Women, women are just, generally speaking, more emotional creatures than men. There's nothing wrong with that. We should be embracing our, our, our differences. But I think they're the line that we can't cross when we try to blur, blur the line between men and women because it just, it just, it just confuses me. It just confuses me. I, I just I don't get it. I don't know. I, That's just I, my I thing. Think, I think what you said is what would be regarded to, to many people as a very outdated view. Um, so I, all I can do is laugh because I think you have to take it with a pinch of salt in some senses because it will lose people with that, um, I suppose, that opinion. But you previously said, and I, we, we, we went past the point, you said you don't believe in white privilege and perhaps... I don't believe in white privilege as a concept, but I understand why there's an argument made for it, simply because of how the world has become what it is. You said as well that the relationship between men and women is no longer as simple, and you cross the road when there's a woman because you simply don't want to be accused. So could I ask you, do you believe there's a female privilege in our society in that respect? Um... Yes and no. Um, it depends on what your definition is of privilege. Um, from what I, what I've, uh, from what I've experienced, I don't necessarily think it's a privilege as much as it is. Some women will simply take advantage of things such as the Me Too movement for their own personal agendas against whatever men that have wronged them in the past. Um, I wouldn't say that the privilege in society when it comes to things because society is very equal nowadays is very egalitarian. We have our own problems and our own differences, but generally speaking, I think we're okay. There are things that need to change, but society is very egalitarian nowadays. So mm -hmm. There's not mm -hmm. much that is stopping me from achieving as so much as there is a woman from, from achieving. There's no difference. The only person that can stop me from achieving is myself. Same thing with women. Um, so I wouldn't say no, the female... Go on. 
are there no barriers like the glass ceiling such as or where women would enter workplaces where men are sexist or they won't hire women are there no issues that are beyond the self okay like for example um there's this idea of um the gender pay gap um the gender pay gap has been it's a controversial topic. Some people think that it exists and some people think that the reason why it exists, but it's not because of sexism. So for example, if you look at, if you look at sports, right, let's take football, for example, right? The men's world cup in 2018, right? Generated, uh, generated around, I think it was 13 or 14 billion us dollars in revenue. Um, whereas the women's world cup in 2019, the year after generated about 300 million. If you do the maths, you'll find out that you'll find that the men's World Cup generated around 13 to 14 times more revenue than the women's World Cup. Why is that? Because of biological differences. Men are bigger, taller, stronger, faster than women in general, and therefore it means that we can play sport at a higher, more intense level. This is not to say that women are less than men, but if on, if on average the average man is stronger or taller than the average woman, that's going to be shown in the world of sports because sport is a very physical activity. Um, some people say that shows the, that shows the gender pay gap. Well, yes, there is because if more people are watching men's football, they're going to make more money. Obviously, that's just the way it works. It, it's like you also find that in in general, what you also find is that with the gender pay gap as well you know, you'll find that a lot of the reasons why some women on the whole don't make as much as men is because of the choices that they decide to make. So, for example, some women decide to um, work part-time because they have children. Children is a very important topic as well. A lot of women just, um, decide to um, work part-time because they have children. Or a lot of women go into industries that don't pay as much as men. A stat that sh a, this is, the stats say that 9 out of 10 workplace deaths are by men. If we're, if we're, if, if, okay, let me, let me start again. Nine out of 10 workplace deaths are by men. That's what the stats say. That means that men are 90% of all the workplace deaths. We are 90% most likely to find ourselves in positions where we're at risk, where jobs can kill us. A lot of those jobs involve physical things such as construction, scaffolding, things like that. Um, no one is stopping women from working in scaffolding. But I've never seen a woman working on like a scaffold or plumbing or um, anything like that. Nothing like that. I've never seen a woman do it that often. Um, and those jobs often pay very, very, very well. Extremely well. Um, I know a guy, he's an electrician and he gets 55 grand a year. Full-time electrician. Um, so they pay very well. Um, so if you have certain industries that pay more and that men are going to the industries more than women are, yes, there's going to be a gender pay gap. In t on top of the um, the female birth thing and, and that kind of stuff. So there's a gender pay gap, but I don't necessarily think it's because of sexism because it is illegal for me to... If it, one, one is because it's illegal for me to pay a woman less than what I would pay a man. Anyway, that's illegal. It's been so for years. Second of all, from a business perspective, from a purely capitalist perspective, if I knew that I could get away with paying a woman... 75% of what I would pay a man, I'll never hire a man again for the same job. If you were to work in Sainsbury's and I knew I could get away with paying a woman £7.50 versus a man for £10, why would you ever hire a woman again, a man again? From a business perspective, you could save 25% of your wages and you get towards other things. But we don't really talk about those things because there seems to be this kind of, I wouldn't say it's a pressure, almost a sort of desperation to make us look like victims, certain groups of people. Mm. And it almost seems as if there's a, almost a um a competition where it's like almost a race to the bottom where I have this, therefore you can't have that. Well, no, because I have this, but you have that. And there's always there's always somebody who has it worse than you, or you always have it worse than somebody else. And as a result of that, it's almost as if we're competing to see who's the biggest victim. Ben Shapiro calls it the victim Olympics. That's the best way to describe it, really. Okay. As in, so you know what I mean? We've spoken a lot, well, you've spoken a lot about sexism. So I want to keep it relevant to the topic that I promised we were going to discuss. Are there no issues? Yeah. So are there also no So you speak a lot about the self. And I suppose that's very much a conservative ideology that 
The self is the one who makes it and there's no structural barriers at hand. So for the black community, there's recent statistics that show, for example, black businesses, where we, we open more businesses now more than ever, but a lot of our businesses fail. Or for example, there's not enough black people who are CEOs or not enough black people who are in high professions to influence the decision-making. Um, so yeah. is it still, are there still no barriers that face the black community in your eyes beyond the self? Um, well, there are, don't get me wrong, you know, there are stereotypes out there. Um, because you have, you have conscious bias and you have unconscious bias. You have people that, generally speaking, you have, you have people that are racist out there. You have people that, um, have ignorant or stereotypical views about people without meeting them at all. But a lot of people won't, are scared to admit that because we're being scared of being called racist and therefore it means that we're not able to have honest dialogue without being cancelled, if that makes sense. Um, you know, but generally speaking, you have the collective and then you have the individual. There are certain, like, people asking for more black um, people in, 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 in parliament. The colour of my skin should not determine whether I'm, I get a job or not. You shouldn't, you shouldn't ignore my application for a job because I'm black, but you also shouldn't hire me because I'm black. I don't need to feel mm -hmm. sorry for you because in my perspective, if you're hiring me because I'm black, then all my credentials go out the window. You might as well just hire a random black person just go out the road, just hire, yeah, you, you're black, come work for me. You might as well do that. Honestly, you might as well do that because it gets to a point where if you're hiring me because I'm black, like being black in itself is not a qualification. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to go into journalism, right? But I'm also a freelance photographer and stuff, right? I've been doing it for about seven years now. People hire me for events because they know that I'm good because I've got a good work ethic and I've got a decent portfolio of photographs, right? They don't hire me because I'm black and they feel they need to feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. It's a competition, but don't feel like you have to hire me because I'm black, because there's no point in hiring me because I'm black. It don't make sense. It don't make sense because I feel like you're patronizing me. It feels as if you're saying, I'm obligated to, to hire you now because I'm black. Almost as if, it's not even because I'm black, it's because to make you feel less racist about yourself. Hmm. Sorry about the seagulls in the background, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, it sounds yeah, like that's it. the way it's I'm out, gonna I'm, say, out, I'm out of the window, sorry. I was going to say, it sounds like you live in Brighton with all the seagulls. <laughs> no, 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 I'm still in Hackney, bro. We don't get, I don't even know why the seagulls are here. But, but, no, but yeah, that's what I was saying. No, man, don't hire me. It's not enough for you to hire me. It's not enough for you to not hire me because I'm black. It's another thing. It's one thing for you to hire me because I'm, it's one thing for you to not hire me because I'm black. That's discrimination. But you, it's another thing for you to hire me because I'm black. And for me, it kind of undermines my work ethic. And it almost says as if it's almost a token thing where it's like, oh, we'll just hire that person just to promote diversity. Because when people say diversity, generally speaking, they mean a diverse, um, a diverse group of ethnic people, um, different ethnicities. But they don't talk about diverse um, opinions or ideas. If, mm -hmm. a person, if a person represents me, um, for example, I'm going to vote for a person. He represents my values. I don't care if he's black, white, Asian. I don't care if he's a Smurf or a Simpson. I don't care. Who cares? If he if if he's saying something that I agree with or identify with, right? I'm going to say yes. I support this person. I couldn't care less about the color of his skin. I don't care. I don't care. Sometimes it's not even to do with skin color. It's to do with um who you are as a person and. Sometimes I understand that there are problems with individualism to a certain extent, but there are problems with collectivism as well, where Absolutely. this kind of one-size-fits-all policy doesn't always work, and it, let, it gets people, if, it leaves people behind. Absolutely. I so, don't, I the, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you, do you have high hopes for the black community in terms of how we see ourselves and where we politically fall? High hopes. I mean, I do. I do, and I don't. I do because it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one for black people because you have lots of different issues. You have black people that are that are rightly campaigning for racial equality, which I don't have a problem with at all. But then you also have problems with our own community that, for some reason, we refuse to take responsibility for. 
and I want the best for black people, but I don't also, I don't necessarily think that complaining about how complaining about racism this and black lives matter this is going to get us anywhere. In so my then, opinion, um. So then, what on. do you think is going to get us to racial equality and a solution that works for all? Well, here's what you do: if you want to, if you want to, if you want to stop racism, you don't talk about it. If that okay, I'm going to explain myself, right? You take a person for who they are as a person, yeah? Their ideology, their beliefs, their values. You don't look at him and say, he's black, therefore he believed this, this, and this, right? This is different from religion, where if you're, say, you're a Christian or you're a Muslim, there are certain things that people are going to expect on you. For example, Jewish people worship on Sabbath, for example. You expect that, that kind of stuff, right? But I'm talking about you as an individual. There's no point in complaining about racism 24-7 or talking about it all the time and then wondering why it always pops up every five minutes. If you want to combat racism, you don't use your skin colour as a weapon or a bargaining tool to get what you want. You just get on with life. Simple. You just get on with it. All I'm, say all I'm saying is this, right? I'm not saying that I hate anybody in particular, but I say it again. Not a single white person has made fun of me because of the way that I think or the way that I speak or the way that I dress. Not a single white person has done that, apart from two instances. But that's more. That's when I was a child. Um, it's only been black people that have made fun of me and started to compartmentalise the idea of you're black, therefore you have to think this, and if you don't, then you're some kind of 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 of, of sellout. And it's like it, it blows my mind because what does it mean to what does it mean to be black? I'm a black person because I'm ethnically Jamaican and Montserratian. That's what makes me black, ethnically speaking. But who I am as a person is different. Who I am as a person is part of who I am as well. And if I can identify with groups of people that support me in my beliefs or my values, then obviously I'm going to identify with them more than... Because being black is not... Being black is not a... Um, it's not something that in certain contexts, right? In this context, it's not something that I use to judge a person by because it's not a characteristic that is changeable. Well, it's an immutable you're black. characteristic. Yes, you're black. Okay. You're black. Okay. I'm black. He's Asian. He's white. He's Latino. So effing what? You know what I'm saying? So what? Just get on with your life, bro. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it just... I, I don't understand why we tend to have this... We kind of... I, I don't understand, Sean. It's doing my head in. That's why I'm scratching my brain, because I just... I don't understand. It's doing my head in. I understand your frustrations and I think your frustrations are incredibly valid because I think at the moment with black lives and black politics, as you said, there's a very collectivist mentality and we forget yeah. about the individual that adds to that collective. I think in the very same breath, I think to deny that racism exists or to not speak about it is almost like the analogy that I use. If I have a cancerous tumour, do I hope my cancerous tumour will go down by pretending it's not there? And I'm, I'm arguing the principle of that. But I get where you come from. I get it. Because I think racism and its definitions have changed throughout the centuries now. There's no longer a universal definition of racism yes. that yes. right-wing and left-wing can come to terms with. So Aaron, we only have an hour. Well, so we've got three more minutes left. And I've got to ask, one more question. How yeah. do you feel about your own future and how do you see yourself adding towards black liberation and black emancipation? Well, I think part, part of emancipation is um, a sense of responsibility, individual responsibility. You know, um, there's a song by Bob Marley, I think it's a redemption song. I can't remember how the lyrics go, but it's something about emancipate yourself from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our minds. Yeah? As in yourself, then you as an individual, there comes a point when saying, okay, yes, there are things that have happened to me, my community in the past, right? But there comes a point when I have to take responsibility for myself as a person. I have to recognise where I stand in society as a black man and do my best to navigate the political minefield, if that makes sense. I have to do that. Um, but I, I won't get it by... I don't want to use Black Lives Matter as complaining. I don't want to say that. 
but I don't want to seem as if I'm just whining out doing anything about it. Whilst mm -hmm. I understand that there are prejudices and bias and stuff, I cannot, I can fight to change it, but I can't live my life as if, I can't say if um, these things exist, therefore I'm not going to live my life. You know what I mean? I want, I'm an ambitious person. I've got my photography thing. You know, I want to go into journalism. I have ambitions. I've already got a degree in masters. I want to go for my PhD as well. I'm not going to sit around and say, you know, um, you know, this, this, that, and the other. I don't, I don't want to sit around and say, like, um, I'm black, uh, therefore I'm entitled to certain things. I'm still here. Yeah, no, I, I think I get you. And because there's a minute left, I've kind of got to kind of round it off because an hour... Oh, sorry, sorry. An hour goes so quickly. But I think if I was to round you off as a person, in my opinion, you're someone... I really like you, Aaron. Fundamentally, I think politically we agree on some stuff and other stuff we disagree on. But I still think, for example, these conversations have to be had, you know? And I yeah. think it's, it's because we, we live in echo chambers. And I think, as you said, it's trial by social media. And w when we have these conversations, we can still come to the conclusion that whilst we disagree politically, there's still something that we can find. There's a common ground. We're both black, but we're also both men and we're human. So I still think you're really brave for coming on my Instagram live and, you know, again, trial by social this media. The, because this is my issue, Sean. Even the fact that you've just called me brave, it shouldn't be anything that is somehow praiseworthy. I'm just, I'm just talking, I'm just speaking my truth. Absolutely. It shouldn't be anything that Listen, I should have to be scared of. Yeah, That's what I'm I've, saying. I've, I've got seven minutes, seven seconds left. I want to say thank you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations. And remember, Flower Hour is the podcast where conversations blossom.